Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, once again joined by myself so that uh, my insubordinate comrade, Ross Mulcairn, doesn't uh, interrupt me, uh, but we're going live soon. No, it's been a little bit. Um, I've had a weird work schedule. I've had to work on Tuesday nights recently, and really as a collective, uh, Tuesdays are pretty much the best day that works for us as a whole. So we're sorry about that little hiatus and uh, we will hopefully be back to our regularly scheduled programming pretty soon. And Ross is here. Um, uh, so talk to me, Ross. What's up? How are we doing, KP? Man, I'm chilling, you know, just uh, got my ice cream. Um, and I'm just hanging out. You know, it was not the worst day at work, which is a good day at work for me. I'm just kind of hanging out. How are you, man? I'm, I'm doing well. You know, it wasn't wasn't quite the worst day at work for me either. So it's... Uh... Very exciting for both of us. How is life in the district? I just realized it's been a month since I've been up there. Has it really been a month since you were here? And D.C., yes. Well, uh, they land- say time flies and you're having fun. I landed 18th of June, and now it is July 20th. So, yeah. Well, that is really something. It is really something, man. So... Um, obviously, there's kind of a lot to talk about, which is really why I enjoy media days, not in that they're good, they're inherently horrible, um, but it really does start the fourth quarter of the off offseason. Um, fall camp is going to start within a couple of weeks for uh, most teams, really, and pretty soon after that, they'll go into regular practices, and um, Ross, I, we're only 46 days away from the beginning of the real college football season, I don't Acknowledge the week zero heathens. Um, but yeah, we're close. We're inside 50, man. That's fair. Um, you're wrong about not acknowledging week zero because it gets us college football faster. And I like week zero. So uh, you are wrong. Week zero is not real. It's not real. Nothing is real, Kevin. Well, that's a great point, but, you know, we're not going to get into existential crises today. How can mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? 
I'm 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 gonna have to stop you right there, man. Um, you've, you've gone a little too far. Uh, have you been keeping up with media days at all recently? I know today is day two of the SEC, and um, I really wasn't planning on on the Wednesday. Um, but yeah, have you caught up with you know kept up with it? I should say at all. I think Lane I've kept... done a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Lane spoke today, so a lot of tweets. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's, uh, I will say I have never been as big of a media days guy as I feel like most other people with my similar interest in college football are. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're interesting. I enjoy it as a, you know, as you said, a demarcation of the start of the fourth quarter of the off season. It means we're close. It means we're, we're, you know, just about ready to get the season started. We know that we're closing in on it because we're officially talking about it, you know, in official settings and not just, you know, people like you and I uh, and us just like spitballing. Yeah, exactly. But, um, no, I mean, I saw that uh, Sankey came out and, you know, did a, a strong pitch for vaccinations yesterday. Um, I saw Kirby said that, uh, Georgia is apparently over 85%, and he is considering it a personal goal to get the team to 100%, which, you know, shout out Kirby. That is yeah. that is a very good goal. I am glad he is doing that, and uh, I think he should continue in that mission, and I wish him the best of luck. So, folks, Brian Rippey has joined us. Um, probably the only actual qualified, not even probably, the, the only actual qualified journalist amongst this podcast. Rip, how's it going, man? Happy media days. Good. I appreciate the intro. I'm just a grease salesman these days, though. <laughs> man. But, but uh, Rip, you, you are, are a we... media days attendee in your past life, are you not? I have. I've been a couple of times. It's a... Uh, I know it's like the... I actually wrote about this in the newsletter yesterday morning. It's like the trendy thing to, like, shit on it and loathe going. Or, like, there's two camps. It's the camp that, uh, like loves to shit on going to the thing. And then there's the camp like Ron Higgins, who wrote a banger of a column last year, or the last time this happened, basically just stating that the fact that he covered all of them, there was no other point to the column. Um, so I find somewhere in the middle, I, you just said uh, it's a celebration of the fourth quarter of the off season. I kind of fall in the same camp. It's like, cool. It's like, okay, the season's basically here. You'll be in camp in a couple of months, but it's a TV event in terms of like access. Um, you don't really get anything out of it from like a print or an online thing. It's a good chance to meet up with other media types too and kind of get like, you know, podcast interviews and shit like that done. But in terms of like learning anything, um, you don't really learn anything at all. Really the only times where it's kind of like anticipated is when there's a national like embarrassment pending. Uh, a la Ole Miss <laughs> 2017 with the, do y'all remember the Hugh Freeze filibuster? Um so you Wait. get 30 minutes in that main room, and he listed the entire roster and everything for 24 and a half of those minutes, and then yeah. had a media-friendly <laughs> reporter plan a question about special teams after that. That is – that's perfect. So I forgot that he did that filibuster because in my mind I was thinking, damn, I know he got fired over the summer. Was it before media days or was it after media 
Well, but it was literally <laughs> less than a week later. It was literally less than a week later because they had the couple of national media people there had the story about the escort service, but I didn't have everything they needed to go forward with it. But it was coming, and I've never known this for a fact, but I'm pretty sure he knew. At least the people around him knew, and so it was just a. Uh, Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Is, what's this? Is there such thing as like a uh, something before a funeral? Like that's what it felt like. The wake, the wake. Yeah, that that that's probably a decent <laughs> way to describe it. But I don't know. It's fine. You get to see people you don't get normally get to see, and like I don't know. It's a big big event. But in terms of like getting anything out of it, eh, not really. So yeah. I've always assumed that, but Rip, you would you would know this. Do you did you find it had a like is there any rotation to the people that attend besides, you know, who is working for their student paper and then graduates and can't go anymore? Like or is it is this like a are there big parts of it where it's, you know, some guy who covers football at Kentucky and some guy who covers it at A&M who I think they've played once in the nine years A&M's been in the league. So like. They may be best friends, but only for three days in Hoover. Like, is that is there an aspect to that where there's a a part to it because it's always the same people and people just really love going to hang out with each other and they also know that they're not getting shit out of these people up on the podium. They're just sort of going for fun. Yeah, there's some of that. I mean, it's certainly like a uh, it's certainly a media social event too, and uh, some that take their uh, big J card a little too seriously uh, probably view it as like a status thing. If that makes sense at all, because, you know, it's very hard to be a Gannett columnist. But, like, it, yeah, I mean, it's more of a, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely, there's a media social event aspect of it, too. It does honestly help from, like, a networking perspective, like, just meeting other people. Because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know a ton of other people, you know, around, like, SEC media. Um, and, I mean, I wasn't, like, dying to, like, hand out business cards or shit like that. But you do kind of get to know people just from drinking for two to three days. Right. That that makes sense. It's it's almost like a um, – like, like it's another sort of convention for writers, right? Because it, it's not the same thing at all. But, you know, like when you're in high school and you go to your state conventions, you see, you know, one of your best friends from the other school. But you literally just didn't talk the entire year until convention time rolled around. Your best friends for three days and then you go your separate ways. So there's value what conventions in that. were you going to in high school, KP? Buddy, uh, Mu Alpha Theta, which was the math club, um, JCL, which was the Latin club. Um, buddy, I, I was active in high school, man. That was not a thing that happened at my school. Oh, well, I think no. the uh, official media event from the last time I went, which I think was the last time it was held, was a night mm-hmm. out at Dave and Buster's. <laughs> Hell yeah. That sounds awesome. Like, unironically, that sounds great. Well, what the real one gets done is that when it's in Hoover, there's a bar called Gabriel's that sigs inside and uh, has karaoke, which they claim is only one night a week, but I swear to God, it's all four. Um, And that's kind of where the intermingling gets done, I would say. It might be one night a week, except that one week. (laughs) Exactly. They'd be foolish not to be open every night. (laughs) I like the the idea of a bunch of... SEC media members who are by and large, obviously all amazing people and we love them all and they're all beautiful and talented and wonderful, mm-hmm. but just like a bunch of them showing up to this bar and being told like, no, sorry, it's Wednesday. Like, you know, karaoke's on Tuesdays and them just like bum rushing this machine to just like belt out some Springsteen very poorly. They're like, we need to do this. And just, you know, <laughs> mad maxing this one bar. 
Uh, some people actually have discovered hidden talents. Brooks Cubina, a great guy, covers LSU for the uh, Baton Rouge newspaper, has absolute yeah. pipes. That man can rip a solo. Really? Yes. No, like, I'm being dead serious, too. Like, can actually sing. We were all just, I remember there was a couple of us. They were trying to get me to go up there to sing, and I couldn't remember what, what who I did it with or whatever. But it was your classic, like, sloppy karaoke. And then all of a sudden, like, he gets on stage, and, like, everyone kind of turned around for a second. It was like, holy shit, what is this? Like, did someone turn on a jukebox? Rip, no, do you have a go-to Media Days karaoke song? No, I don't do karaoke. I got forced up on stage. I just uh, I sit in the back and drink by the pool table. Russell, that sounds kind of like a cop out. Russell, it absolutely is a cop out. I hate singing. (laughs) Ross, what's your go-to karaoke? Um, it's changed over the years, but I had a I haven't I haven't done one in a while, but I had a really strong run there. Where uh, I'll make a man out of you, but from Mulan was a real, real crowd favorite. Oh, that's good. I like that a lot. And it's hard to do that one wrong. You just kind of have to drop your voice real low and, and push through it. So, yeah, they're not really singing that much in the movie. They're more just like you know expressing. <laughs> yeah, like you're singing, so you're not doing the like just sort of talking through it and like you know not caring. People can tell that you're putting in a little bit of effort, but you also mm-hmm. don't super suck. It's a perfect. Perfect mix. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I don't really have a go-to. I like. I don't think I've ever done the same song twice in a row um, at karaoke. But most recently, I did um, Eternal Flame by the Bangles. And I, I got to stop doing that. I've done that more than once, but never like consecutively. But people just get like emotional in a good way. But, you know, it doesn't really bring the house down at all. I would like you know, I, I gotta to switch it up to, to bring me to tears, Kevin. That's what I want. I, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta switch up to something more high energy. I want to move the crowd, man. Not, you know, I don't want people to just like, you know, think that they should text their mom afterwards. Which you, you always should, but you know, that should be. I don't want my singing to bring you to that emotion. That's true. You should. You should definitely always text your mom. So maybe it was, not so it's also ACC media day. and drinking, but no. Oh no, not at all. Um, it's also ACC media days, guys, and I gotta tell you, I have not um, paid one look of attention to anything <laughs> going on in Charlotte this week, except Dabo's comments that he is very uh, he is very anti expansion, um, which a lot of people are. I am myself. Um, but it's very funny hearing Dabo Swinney, he of six consecutive ACC titles, um, he of only, I think, three regular season losses over the last six years or something insane like that, uh, thinks that it's going to be too easy for other teams to make the going forward. Yeah, I don't – I have found – it increasingly harder to take anything he says seriously. Like, I know we've all been there for a while, but, and I, and I do try not to do this because, you know, obviously I went to Alabama. There is a clear, you know, need, even if Dabo was a regular human to be like, no, the coach of Clemson sucks because I don't like them. But I was actually having a conversation this weekend with a friend of mine who is a good friend 
went to the went to Clemson, and I I was just like I can't do it anymore. With him. <laughs> like I don't I don't want to be rude, but like every like we were talking about his. You know, I'm going to retire if they pay the players. And then he came up and he was like, oh, surprise, I don't care. It's like, what? Like, dude, just stop talking. <laughs> I know it's media uh, days, but please stop talking. I personally had no issues with Dabo whatsoever until after the second title, right? Because after the first one, it's like, all right, they've clearly been, like, you know, uh, building towards this. They have a generational quarterback. There's an argument they could have won it the previous year. And Deshaun Watson got one, so I couldn't really get mad at that. Um, obviously, I was sad that Bama lost, but it's like, oh, whatever. It's like, we will be back. Um, and then after the second one, just every single article was like, oh, Dabble Swinney, a breath of fresh air. He's doing it the right way. Um, and a lot of that is conflated with, like, is this the end of the Alabama dynasty? Um, which happens, you know, every other year, it seems like, um, in articles written. But, yeah, it's just like... Dabo just became the golden boy, and college football media kind of just made him that without really focusing critically on anything he's ever said or done. And now, you know, we've given him too much of a platform to where we, we can't escape him. <laughs> Does that make sense at all? Yeah, and like the so much has changed since like he took over at Clemson too, where back in the day where like particularly early social media, like that kind of shtick worked. Hell, it even worked for Hugh Freeze for a short amount of time. And that was mm-hmm. a lot more, a lot, lot more harmless, less harmful, however you want to look at it, than Hugh Freeze. But <laughs> like, I guess if you had that amount of success kind of with that, uh, just little old Dabo, little, little old Clemson shtick, it would be hard to break out of it even when everyone sees directly through it. My favorite from – and I haven't kept up with that ACC Media Days either, but credit to whoever threw the whole comment. You, uh, if players ever got paid, I'd find something else to do. Like actually asking him about that and throwing that back in his face. Um, but he did have a cop-out where he said he's always supported name, image, and likeness. He just didn't want to pay them. Because, you know, it's not a payroll. It's name, image, and likeness. Certainly not a payroll. And definitely not. No, not a payroll at all. Where one single company can say there is an exact amount that is being played to ev- that is being paid to every single player on this team, regardless of status, just every week or month they're getting paid this exact amount. But they're not the university, so it's not a payroll. <laughs> Exactly. So he's all supportive of that. He just wouldn't want them to be, have a salary or anything like that, which makes sense. Right. Like you can be on a payroll, just not like our payroll, um, because God forbid, you know, the Clemson players get paid by the university and it takes away from his contract. God forbid he, you know, adds another wing to the lake house. God, the, the, the horror. Clemson thing. It, kind of, it did. So it did is, oh, sorry. Go on, Ross. I was going to say, this may be entirely our own bias, but I feel like even on the national college football landscape, there is like, oh, it's ACC media days. Oh, it's Big 12 media days. And then it's like, the college football universe descends on Hoover, Alabama for the SEC media days. (laughs) Do Do we just... I guess we as in the SEC because I'm an Alabama grad, but like, does the SEC just like write more about it just for the sake of looking bigger or do they actually care more or like what, why is it 
or am I just only reading Alabama beat writers, and that's why I don't see it as much? Like, why does it feel like the well, SEC Ross, days like is a, a bigger deal, and people care more about it than other conferences? Well, well, number one, it just means more. Um, and number two, rest in peace to the king. Rest in peace to the king, Mike Slide. He basically just said everything the SEC does, it's going to be an event, and it's going to be a point of television. What happens inside the Which, Winfrey Hotel is the exact same thing that happens at every other media days, right? I mean, I could be wrong, Rippy, but it's it, it's the exact same thing. It's just made to be a spectacle. That's by design. Oh, absolutely, and I think it goes hand in hand. It's almost a chicken or the egg thing. Like, Sly probably deserves credit. Not probably. Definitely deserves credit for that. But on top of that, it kind of caught on like wildfire. Like, do you see – is there? There's no version of Clemson Ring guy standing in the lobby. One of the strangest parts of SEC Media Days when they did have them, I think they weren't allowed to come in the hotel this year for COVID reasons or whatever. But having the the group of fans that quite literally, it's like a circle or an octagon of like roped off area where they're all like allowed in, like it's some sort of petting zoo, and they just stand in the middle of the lobby in this war, uh, roped off circle just to, like, watch dudes go walk by from room to room and hope we catch an autograph. And, of course, you've seen famous characters of the years, the Alabama ringhead guy, a couple others. Like, there's no ACC mm-hmm. version of that. Like, that just doesn't happen. And, I, I'm, again, I've only been to SEC media days. I don't know anything about the other media days other, other than it seems like much less of a spectacle and an event. But, like, I, I, do, I do, as corny as the slogan is, it just means more. I, I do think people care a lot more. And I think, uh, you know, Sly probably deserves some credit for that, making this more of an event than anything else. But I do think people care more in the SEC than they do elsewhere. I, I, I firmly believe that. That yeah. can't just I mean, be people cultural, in or though, near right? Hoover, Alabama. It, I mean, it, it's well, like just look at the footprint, right? Like, Pac 12 meeting. Like, look where the Larry Scott headquartered the Pac-12 in downtown San Francisco. How many of those people care about college football? I mean, none. But, like, you can also do media days <laughs> anywhere. Alabama did media days in Atlanta in, like, what, 2018, right? Or, sorry, not, not Alabama. Fuck. The SEC um, <laughs> did, moved media days out of Hoover once, right? Like, they can do it anywhere. You know, there's nothing stopping it the Pac-12 putting it last right year, in the middle of L.A. It's going to go back to rotating. So 2019 was supposedly like kind of like the farewell to Hoover as the permanent site because, you know, I think someone finally realized like, hey, maybe this Sly fellow was onto something. What if we moved it around to different cities? And it was like, great idea. And then it was in Atlanta. Or it was supposed to be in Atlanta last year. Maybe it was 2018. I can't remember. And it was supposed to go to Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 2018 Atlanta, and then was supposed to go to Nash. No, then back to whatever. Anyway, they're supposed to be a rotating thing, and they're going to get back to that soon. But uh, I think that's another part of it, too, because I think it'll be just as big of a spectacle no matter the city, unless they do. Remember how they used to do the SEC basketball tournament in, like, Tampa every, like, nine years or whatever? And it's like, what what are we doing here? But anything in that footprint, I think, will still be as big of a spectacle. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's the hope. footprint and just, you know, the overall, the overall, just the fanaticism of the SEC. Like, 
you know, what's like the what is the median school in terms of fanaticism in the SEC? Is it is it like Kentucky? Is it state? You know, is it Kentucky? Right, and even like go a lot harder than you know. Uh, Washington State fans, right? Like they, like they go maybe not by much, but they go hard behind their football. They're not that good, but they love their SEC athletics, and I think that that means a lot when it comes to like media days. It's like a lot of people can't. And Calipari has actually talked about this, and it's one of the few things he said that I agree with. A lot of people just can't get it. It's hard, but a lot of people can afford, you know, a two night stay in Hoover, Alabama. Just to you know, see if you can rub shoulders with Mark Stoops and just meet other random fans of other schools. You can do that. It's hard to get season tickets sometimes, you know. But you can go and just you know, act like an asshole and Hoover, Alabama for forty-eight hours. Then yeah, go for it. <laughs> Take a couple of days off work. You deserve it. That's fair. I can see that being like a more reasonable alternative. And hey, you know, if, but, like, if, you're if the at- Pac-12 media days were as big as SEC media days, then maybe we'd all know what Clay Helton looks like. And, you know, so maybe we should be thankful. I'm also just guessing because I don't know this for a fact, but I could almost guarantee you there's also more media at SEC media days than there is at any other media days. I would bet a lot of money on that. I can't confirm it. I could probably look it up, but I'm too lazy. But there's, there is certainly more media than at, at Big 12 and Pac-12, and I would bet ACC as well. Right. And no disrespect to my guy Jeff Collins, but like how many people on the Georgia Tech beat made their way up to Charlotte for ACC media days? Maybe a lot. I don't know. But the fact is, we we don't know. That's the thing. It's not going to like Jeff Scott. Jeff Collins won't trend on Twitter just because he's in front of a microphone, whereas almost every SEC coach outside Clark Lee from Vanderbilt will probably do that this week. I don't know. I feel like Jeff Collins could say something real crazy. Oh, yeah. I don't think he you know, will, though. I, I think he could. I feel like Max Speaking Brown's of taking, trend- up, taking up too much airspace there. Speaking of trending, Rippy, did, I, I didn't get a chance to watch Lane Kiffin today. Did he say or do anything meaningful, or was he just like doing some generic level trolling on the podium today? I, I don't think anything necessarily stuck out. Uh, a ton, and I, granted, I wasn't able to follow it as closely either because I'm just some schmuck with a desk job now, but I was, like, loosely following along, and then I've kind of been playing a little bit of catch-up because I do have to do some content-related stuff uh, for it on the side. But not really. He got asked a couple bad questions that were, like, goading him into it. He got asked if he thought – I'm going to do a rankings, I think, in the newsletter this week of the shittiest questions asked at SEC Media Days. And I think the one that took the cake the last time I was there was someone asked Will Muschamp how he felt about being uh, Clemson's little brother. like on in, And that's in the big room, too, to where he's, like, on camera and everything. And then you could see the veins start popping out of his head, and he starts sweating and was just like, we're not, we're not. It's almost like a two-year-old who was like, I didn't shit in the sandbox. Um, the, but, <laughs> wait, wait, but, wait. Will <laughs> veins started popping out of his head and he looked angry? I don't I don't. Yeah, think exactly. That, that doesn't question. sound like him. So someone asked Lane today if he thought Tennessee would whip out the black jerseys when Ole Miss goes to Knoxville just like he did in 2009 because there's tons of correlation there. But uh, – 
outside of stuff like that, not really. Uh, credit to uh, Mike Rodak, who covers the AlabamaFrail.com. I uh, did ask him about the Bryce Young uh, name, image, and likeness figure, and Lane was kind of like, essentially without saying it, like, holy shit, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, that's a wild number. But outside of that, not really. I don't think there was there was much to be said today uh, other than, you know, he'd be if he was trending today, it'd probably be for the wrong reason. Yeah, I didn't see his any quote from him, but I definitely did see that he responded to what was – a truly incredible, I don't know if you can say troll, but one of the best public crutons I've ever seen, which was Saban talking at, it was a high school, the Texas high school coaches conference, I think, the day before the his own media appearance, talking about Bryce Young making so much money on NIL deals without having played yet, which is just, he didn't say his name, he just said, like, the quarterback, and, like, I know that we all know that he's better at this than anyone, like, down to the minute stuff, like, using his public appearances to crew better than other coaches can, but in order, he literally changed the storyline of Lane Kiffin's press conference at a media days he was not yet attending talking about how much money his own players were making in NIL deals. It's just amazing. And I, you know, Lane Kiffin does seem to at least publicly have the proper amount of risk. Like, he he always seems to publicly be like, yeah, I'm glad I worked for Saban. He's the best that's ever done it, you know. It sucks I have to coach against him. It always seems to be the vibe he's had. Um, But it's... I can't believe he pulled yeah. that off. Like, I shouldn't be surprised by the things he does anymore. Yeah. But I truly cannot believe he pulled that off. It's actually very funny because, you know, like, that that's, that didn't just happen today. Like, he didn't just get a text from Bryce today saying that, like, oh, by the way, coach, I'm at um, I'm at 800000 Like <laughs> That's been it for a while, but he waited until he was at the Texas High School Coaches Convention. Uh, to say in front of every high school coach in Texas that matters, um, just, you know, kind of as an offhand comment. You know, it, I know we joke about I think you should leave a lot, but he actually, Bob Odenkirk character, it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, um, yeah, my quarterback has got almost seven figures in deals. Um, you know, yeah, the, the deal, deal, the deal just, just went through. I got, Thank I God. <laughs> yeah, I got, oh, oh, and triples of the Roadrunner. And of the Barracuda. It's like that. <laughs> it's literally what Saban pulled today. And obviously it was, it was on purpose, but I'm not sure that he, even he recognized the shockwaves it would send. I mean, it made it all the way to, like you said, it made it to Lane Kiffin's press conference. <laughs> I think it shocked everyone. Like it, so y'all probably talked about this last week when I was out on vacation or whatever, but with this whole name image and like this deal, like, I'm not saying that Bryce Young is not worth that amount of money, and I'm certainly not mad about the kid getting it. I would like—I hope all these kids get as much money as humanly possible. But there's eventually going to be some sort of market correction to this, right? Or some sort of standard established to where some of these deals being inked now, some will look really good and some will look absolutely moronic. Like someone's going to give some kid six figures that doesn't pan out as a player, and it's just going to be an absolute 
money pit in terms of like a financial decision, right? Like some of these things have to have some sort of correction, right? Like not every quarterback in the SEC is going to be making six figures from NIL. I just, I have to believe at some point when it's either more regulated or we know more about it and there's actually a market standard set because like the website I work for now on the side just signed a linebacker that plays for Ole Miss to a name image and like this thing. And like we were talking to a couple of the guys that work there about like how the process was and it was kind of like yeah we just named a number and he said yes like <laughs> there's no market standard and i feel like once that gets established some of these are going to look foolish don't you think so there's definitely going to be a correction and you're definitely going to get some people who sign and i'm not going to name many players because it's not fair but you're going to sign a five star who doesn't pan out there's going to be some kid who's the number one player in his state and is going to end up you know, buried on the depth chart his whole time. And some team is going to, some company or multiple companies are going to think, hey, we're getting ahead of the game. He's going in state. Like, we're doing the whole thing. We're going to sign him to a $250,000 deal to make sure we have him locked up. He cannot endorse any other restaurants while he's in college. He's going to ride for us. And they're going to look foolish. But also, like, I don't know how many companies Bryce Young is working with. I don't know how much money exactly. I don't know what nearing seven figures means exactly. It could be 600000 It could be 980000 But when you think about it, Alabama is the biggest brand in college football right now. And the one player more visible than any other when you watch any football game is the quarterback. And Bryce Young, although he didn't get a chance to do very much last year, is clearly the was the top quarterback recruit is you know the chosen one like i'm imagining if someone was able to sign you know two games of backing up kelly bryant version of trevor lawrence to something where he is like everyone knows he's going to be good but he is not yet what he became for something that at least gives them you know i'm not i'm sure these aren't four-year deals that have them exclusive rights and all this stuff but there has to be some benefit to getting in there early and some of them are going to look foolish, but some people, if they were their contracts, right, are going to get a huge star shilling their product for not that much. Yeah. I think, I think the idea that star quarterbacks at big schools are making a million dollars a year in endorsement deals is totally reasonable and probably to be expected in the future. Is every quarterback going to make that? No. But are the, like, Bryce Young, DJ Uyunglele, like, uh, JT Daniels, I don't know, Sam Howell, like, are those guys, uh, Spencer Rattler, those guys making a million dollars a year? I think that is to be expected in the future. Yeah, obviously QB1 at Alabama is going to be, like, one of the most visible, you know, Positions in sports, really. There's not even college football, just in sports as a whole. Um, so, yeah, that number is probably going to – I don't know if it's going to be a million. Um, it might be, but I think that number is going to be pretty standard. But, I mean, you have guys like Bo Nix who, all in all, has not done shit really in college. Like, and and, and I'm, I'm not even saying it's the show Albert, but it's, it's Bo Nix. Like, we've seen him for two years now. He has not been great at all. Um, he was the first athlete to go public with a deal with Milo's. It was at 12.01 on July 1st, right? At 12.01 a.m. <laughs> you got to deal with Milo's sweet tea. It's like that kind of stuff is going to sort of trickle back a little bit. Like 
Miami backups getting $15,000 to do club promotions is not going to happen a lot going forward. So that part of the market will correct. But at the top, top level, you know, QB1 for Alabama, RB1 for um, Ohio State, um, you know, the – I don't know, who, whoever Texas kicker is, because they always have one that's absolute cash every year. Wide receiver those, one at USC. Yeah, it, bingo. That's great, great pull, Ross. Um, that, those are always going to be, I mean, not a million dollars, but those will continue to see a big number. But in terms of the mid to lower levels, that's going to burst. I mean, like, isn't there someone at Kent State getting, like, $20,000 or something right now? It's like, that's never going to happen again after this after this year. So I haven't seen because that. Because they realize, oh, this I guy's also... – I was saying, like, that guy's never on TV. And it's like, well, this is not a good investment because he's never on TV and he only has, like, um, 2,000 followers. We kind of screwed the pooch here. Yeah. But also, like, one thing I will say is that I am – recently new into learning all about the sort of reality TV world. I, I, when I moved to DC, I found a group of friends that I'll watch the bachelorette every Monday and then they keep up with it during bachelor and all that. And it's actually quite entertaining. I was, I was absolutely a hater for a large portion of my life. I found it very entertaining. I'm, I'm all in. Um, but what I have found very interesting is that a lot of these people who go on reality shows, particularly the dating ones, then kind of leave whatever it is they do and they become influencers. And they're not that like, if you got 16th place on the bachelor in 2019, that's not that exciting. However, you become friends with a couple people and you can make an appearance at a club or restaurant bar, whatever that may be. And you're only going to make 500 bucks, whatever it may be. Cause no one gives a shit about Steve Jones, but if you're still friends with five other people from the Bachelor universe and they can say, we have six Bachelor, like former Bachelor guests coming to our bar, each of those people is going to make $3,000 because like they all care more about the larger group of people. You know, we have we have five former people that were all on Love is Blind together. We have we have four people from Too Hot to Handle or whatever that may be. So I think there is. Being the backup left guard at, let's say, Pitt, for example, is not a super profitable area, but there is a restaurant in Pittsburgh that has signed, I don't know who exactly they're paying. It seems like they're paying the quarterback, but I'm not sure. But for the once a week, the offensive line is getting taken out to dinner at this nice restaurant. Sort of through Kenny Pickett, their quarterback, I don't exactly know who's getting paid. But if you're just a member of the offensive line, you're going to get paid a lot more because they can say, hey, the entire pit offensive line is coming to our restaurant on Thursday. And you're not worth very much, but maybe one guy is, but they have to pay you all the same amount or something like that. So I think there is a lot of money to be made in the group setting in the lower level players, lower level schools. Even if it's not, even if you are not as valuable on your own, you've done the same brand recognition on your own. They can just say seven Alabama players are coming, so people are going to show up, being like, "Oh my God, Devonte Smith's here!" And he's like, it's not going to be there, but you know, it's still pretty cool to see Jaleel Billingsley, who's actually good now. But like last year, no one knew who he was. Yeah, 
that's a great point. Just appearances are going to be a huge thing too because it's the easiest thing to do. It's like, hey, guy. Um, and honestly, like, if boosters want to wash their money, just give like, I like give Ennis free twenty thousand dollars. Hey, funnel this directly to um, Brian Robinson, and then, or who like whoever the students. I don't know, just whoever the students love the most these days. I don't know. I, I don't know who that is now. Um, you know, there were some players that weren't the best players, but they were the most popular on campus. It's like, hey, give this twenty thousand dollars directly to this other guy for an appearance at Ennis Free, and that guy just goes to Ennis Free for two hours, just takes pics, says hi, and then leaves. So there's going to be a market for that for sure. But in terms of the big, big deals, like Bryce Young's going to deal with Cash App, right? Um, Spencer Rattler is already selling merch. Um, that number is going to be way, way higher um, than the average person can realistically think to see in one year. And the weird part about all this is not the weird part, the crazy part, at least in the short term future, none of this shit is regulated. My brother, younger brother, (laughs) like who like never fuck. He never texts me unless we're in like he's in trouble or some shit. was like, hey, I got an idea. Hear me out. I was like, what? So he sends me this long ass message about like this whole name, image and likeness thing. And was like basically had this grand plan that like uh, you can conceal the value of art based on some loophole law and i was like can you just save the rest of this there's no need to like have the art front he was like why don't you have matt corral paint some stupid ass picture and some donor pay this amount of money for it i was like because you don't need it there are no rules like like, even like some people i've like talked to in compliance just kind of shrugged their shoulder like eh i guess like no one knows there's a hodgepodge for as much as shit as mark Embert takes I did understand why he lobbied so hard and why the commissioners lobbied so hard too for Congress to be to implement some sort of blanket regulation on it because the people whose job it is to enforce it, this is going to be a nightmare. And I don't necessarily think that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, no one knows what's legal and what's not. And even if it's technically illegal something, who in the hell is enforcing this? Does well, the, the state official- government? I, I doubt it. The official NCAA regulation is that your school will abide by the state. Like, I don't think the NCAA officially lifted the ban on it, like, carte blanche. Like, I think they said if you're like, you now have to go by what your state law is. Now, I don't know if any states have any laws prohibiting it in the first place, given that the NCAA always did that. But like i'm i would bet and i don't know this enough but i'm pretty sure i've seen written in a couple of places that some schools or states or university systems or whatever it is have regulations against registered boosters giving money to players as part of this process now obviously the people who are going to want to give players money are the registered boosters there's going to be a couple people who you know have the right mindset and they're like, I just support paying players. I'm going to figure this out. Or they had a restaurant. So they were never a booster, but their restaurant could pay a player or something like that. But what I don't like, I don't, I think there is something, it's tough for the compliance people. And the one thing that I really hope, and as Rips, you just sort of mentioned this, that like, there's a lot of compliance people out there who are just kind of shrugging their shoulders at this is that, as the market corrects, as we figure all this shit out over the next, let's say, two years, 
I just want to make sure that some player doesn't say, sure, I'll do it, and take some deal. And then in two years when they finally have their shit together and the NCAA, in whatever version they are at that point, start looking into it and saying, hey, you know, Heisman winning running back at Oklahoma State or whatever, like, you took $20,000 from a auto body shop to tweet about their store, but that the owner was a, is owned the whole thing, and he's a registered booster of the school, and the Oklahoma State law said registered boosters cannot sign NIL deals, and therefore your Heisman's getting taken away. Like, that would be some serious bullshit that I can totally see the NCAA doing. And I just want to make sure that while we're in this kind of limbo period where no one knows what's going on, that doesn't happen to anybody three years down the road. Because compliance folks are sort of shrugging their shoulders and saying, hey, go for it. We believe in you. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think that the main – the one regulation I've seen recently has been – like on school websites, basically like no student athlete shall be paid more than um, standard market price for X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, what what if the market just gets absolutely nuked, right? Like I, I don't know how much like rappers are getting paid for club appearances, but if let's say, you know, a guy who's like Rick Ross, big Miami fan, he says, you know what? I'm going to charge this club $1 million for an appearance and they'll pay it. What's stopping De'Aaron King from being like, hey, that's the market. So pay me that for <laughs> pay me that for an appearance. It's uh, – God, I, I, I do think there needs to be some regulation, and I hate to put a cap on the money these guys are getting, but it, it's going to become absolute chaos going forward if this continues um, the way it has. And like we said, the market will regulate. There will be some correction there. But at least for now, it does not seem like any of that is on the horizon. And to piggyback off your point, KP, like they're making their own market value right now. Like there is no market value, so they're able to say whatever they want. I won't say the name of the player or who it is. Not that it really matters, but just for uh, just for uh, safety pur- not safety purposes, but just to operate on the conservative side. There was there's an Ole Miss football player who is charging X amount of money per appearance. It's like appearance, Instagram post, whatever. And I was talking to someone like close to that guy the other day, and I was like. Okay, well, where did he get that number? And he, the guy was like, "I don't know." He just put it out there. It's like, so that's not really based off anything. And they're like, "Yeah, they did some social media math." But aside from that, no, not really based on a whole lot. They're just setting their own numbers, and it's kind of like, "Okay, that's the price." Yep, I mean, that's yep. Which again, good for them, good for them. But at a certain point, it's like, okay, why is the library paying this guy a hundred thousand dollars per social media post? Like that does not. Like, why are they paying this backup running back? Like, and I love Snoop Connor, but you know what? <laughs> but why is he getting paid yeah, like, this amount of <laughs> this amount of money? It's not their fault. I would do the same thing, but it's just kind of like eventually someone's going to be like, "Hey, actually, I probably won't pay that for you." Yeah, at a certain point, and Bonnie was- Jones actually mentioned this on his podcast. It's like I, these players are going to realize sooner or later that it's like. Okay, 12,000 followers is a lot of followers, but it's actually not that many followers. And once the market corrects, they're going to realize like, oh, I'm popular, but I'm not, you know, I'm not that guy. 
social media yeah, was. I'm, and I think the brands I'm, and the businesses will realize that too. Yeah, but I do think it's very interesting to see because there are definitely players out there that we all know who didn't tweet a lot or post a lot, whatever it was in college, got to the NFL and could sign endorsement deals. And, you know, we follow them because we like the player, but they tweet once a month and it's an ad. And it's like, all right, well, this doesn't actually mean anything to us. Like they have a big following because they're famous. But, you know, this person saying, hey, I like, you know, Clorox, like doesn't mean shit. So what I'm very curious to see is, is how what the market looks like sort of in, let's say, three years from now, where you will definitely have players sort of capitalizing or athletes of any kind capitalizing on some small moment of fame. I just saw reposted yesterday or the day before that. Do you all remember that uh, UCLA gymnastics video that went like hugely viral? I think two years ago with I want to say her name is Caitlin Ohashi that she did this. Floor yeah, it was that up went insane. Yep. And immediately after that, she was on the Today Show and who knows what else. And it was like, this person should get a lot of money for this moment while they're really famous. And there's a lot of players out there and people out there who are, you know, a women's basketball player, a men's baseball player, whatever. But they're big on TikTok or something like that. So I think they're going to see a consistent stream of revenue because they have an actual following outside of just their athletic prowess. But what I really want to see, and I'm hoping this is the case, this is honestly probably bad for a school like Alabama. So maybe this is, I'll regret thinking this, but I think there are a lot of small schools where someone or some few people become a real big fish at that small school. And then, but they don't really have a huge future in at the next level, whether that's because their sport doesn't really have a huge professional level or they were you know, the best player to ever come out of their Mac school. But there's not a ton of Mac players in the NFL or something like that. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's the Sun Belt, something like that. So I think that that's actually uh, a huge path forward for those players to have something like that. Um, you know, and I, I just would love to see Love to see that. I, I'm hoping that that's what it looks like in a few years, but I'm very curious to see how that lays out. Well, great. Hell yeah. Guys, great discussion on media days and NIL and market values. I, I, I actually feel like I learned a little bit today. Um, before we close, Ross, you had, you had a note about Fast 9. Am I hearing that correctly? Oh, yeah, so, KP, I wanted to tell you this, but you've never seen a movie. <laughs> Rip, are you familiar with the movies or at least the, like, you know, cultural impact of the Fast and Furious franchise? Yes, I have seen bits and pieces of some of them. I know what they are, and uh, I have, I guess, I, I have seen at least one movie, so it sounds like that is more than KP. Yes. So, correct. So, an important, an important thing. Ross to declared know, you'd never seen a movie. I'm not too far. Oh yeah. When I say that. But so, an important thing to know is that it is it is like culturally super. Uh, this uh, a joke that like they even mention it explicitly in the first movie that the only thing you'll ever see the characters in the Fast and Furious movies shrinking is Corona. 
I'm sure you guys have seen people talk about this. It's literally in the first movie, Vin Diesel is like offering Paul Walker a beer. And he's like, you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. It's a whole thing. Now, what not everyone is aware of, but is very fun, is that the first Fast and Furious movie is like almost a shot-for-shot remake of Point Break. But instead of surfers, they're street racers. And I was watching Point Break again the other night because it's got young Keanu and young Patrick Swayze, but they're both wet, which obviously we're all a fan of. Um, Mm -hmm. And I realized that in that entire movie, they only drink Corona. Literally, like the, the cultural impact meme of the entire now 10 film Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise is taken from the same movie that they took the entire plot of the first movie from. I I cannot understand how this is not a larger issue. You know, why why is Keanu Reeves not out there like suing Vin Diesel for this? He not only took his storyline, um, he took the beer that they drink in this movie. I can't, I can't get over it. I don't, I don't know how this isn't a larger issue. I, I'm very Wait, sad so, that neither of you are big Fast and Furious people because this is this is very culturally relevant. So Fast and Furious One is basically it's Point Break but with cars. Yes. Okay, interesting. I, I never knew that. I knew that Point Break existed, but obviously never seen that one either. Um, but kind of interesting that uh, you know the the movie's basically lifted. And they stole the Corona bit as well. That's wild to me. Um, they can pick any other beer. Did Corona have some sort of deal with that studio that produced both movies? I don't know. This, this is a mystery. I man. truly, I don't know if it's the same. I don't know if it's the same uh, studio that produced both. I don't know if Corona had a deal with both of them. Um, I'm just like I am. You know, obviously as a as a 26-year-old white man in America, a big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. I own the first Mm -hmm. eight movies on Blu-ray. I watch them with some consistency. I think they're great. I love it when Vin Diesel says, family. Um, But I'd seen Point Break before, but I was re-watching it recently, actually just this past weekend, and I have not stopped thinking about it for like three or four days. This, This incredible, like, I don't know. If if either of you guys were big Fast and Furious people, you would you would be you'd be as as flabbergasted as I am right now. <laughs> what I look if, forward okay, to, to what happens when Colin, uh, people who listen later confirm that I'm correct? What happens um, when you know regulations come about and athletes over the age of 21 can uh, can sign deals with alcohol brands and most times with Corona and then they're in Fast 12. <laughs> I would be so happy. You have no idea. That, that would sounds, be great. We have that's a rec- my actual dream is like RB1 at Alabama turns 21, can sign an endorsement deal. They sign an endorsement deal with Corona and part and their whole deal is they don't like tweet about it or anything like that, but their endorsement is that they go into the next Fast and Furious movie because they have confirmed that they're doing 10 and 11 and then there's going to be a bunch of offshoots like Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, which is not canon because fuck Hobbs and Shaw, but they're going to make a bunch (laughs) more movies like that. Hopefully just one that's all about Han because that's all that really matters to me. How do you make the ninth iteration of something interesting 
I, I'm not because I know nothing about it. And like movies that I'm either not into or into, by the time you get to like six, seven, one, it's like eh, like very rarely can you make like the eighth or ninth iteration or something interesting. How is that? How have they done that? So you throw Helen Mirren in so it. The first they they do keep adding people. So the first like four <laughs> are different. Like there is the first one where there's the street racing in LA and then they add new characters and the second one, they take it to Miami. The third one's in Tokyo, all that stuff. And then by the fifth one, they bring everybody together and they just start getting more and more absurd. Like the fifth one, the large set piece is that two cars using uh, magnets or hooks or something, drag a bank vault through the streets of Rio. It is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And that is just like a whole bit in that one. And then they move on to jumping cars out of planes. And then they uh, fight a submarine with cars. Like it is, they just keep getting crazier and crazier. And as I'm sure you've heard people make jokes about before the movie came out. And then obviously you've probably seen this since the movie came out. I'm, assur- I'm assuming I'm not spoiling anything for you guys. Cause neither of you care about the franchise in the ninth movie. They put a rocket on the back of a Pontiac Fiero, and they go to fucking space in a car. That seems pretty cool. That sounds the amazing. These are dumb. I get this. They're not, you know, high intellectual property, or intellectual property is a different thing. They're not, you know, the highest of intellect films. They're not going to win Oscars. But they're very fun for what they are, and they have found a good way to keep one-upping themselves and just finding people from different things to bring them in. They brought in a random British guy and killed him in a movie. And then they were like, oh no, what do we need? His older brother's now the villain in the next movie. And then all of a sudden they're like, now we have to get that older brother on the team. How are we going to do that? We'll find his mom. And the mom is fucking Helen Mirren. And she's just in the family now. Wait, Helen Mirren is um, Vanessa Kirby and Jason Statham's mom? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I need to watch these movies, man. <laughs> They're very silly, but like Lucas Black was the lead of of the Friday Night Lights movie fame, was the lead of the third movie where they went to Tokyo. The whole bit is that he's a kid from Alabama who kept getting kicked out of school, so he got sent to live with his military dad in Tokyo. And then they just like ignored that storyline for a while. And then two movies ago, they were like, hey, what if we just bring back this random guy from five movies ago? And in nine, he plays a pretty, in, like, integral part. He's the one that built the rocket ship car that sent to space. Like, they just keep adding people, and it's great. It's well, they didn't, But they didn't bring back Bow Wow. A shame. Kevin? Yes? Guess what? Oh, my God, no. They brought back Bow Wow, too. He also helped build the rocket ship car. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Oh man, I love to hear that. Um, but before before we head out, guys, because that's man, that's the best news I've heard all day. Um, we do have one speaker request here. Um, from uh, oop, nope, never mind. Sam Wilson has left. All right, so that's it. Um, fellas, thank you all for a great episode, Ross. Thank you for the. Fast and Furious Primer. I'm gonna watch these movies now. Um, now I, that I know there's a pay. Now that I know Bow Wow builds a rocket. <laughs> I need, yeah, I need if, 
it, it takes 10 movies to get there, but I promise you, Bow Wow builds a rocket, and he is as surprised as you are. I love to hear it. Folks, this was Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul. Um, that was Ross McCarran and Brian Scott Rippey. We will see you guys next week. Uh, but until then, finish your breakfast. Talk to you soon. <laughs>